The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Hey, uh, all right. Let's. Uh, I want to. I want to share something today. Pastor John asked me to come and uh, to to speak, and uh, since uh, both John and Anne are up in, uh, you know, blessing the church up in Cessnock that they planted thirty years ago. Speaking of uh, thirty years, uh, I. I on Friday night, it was my last Youth Alive groundswell. I mean, I've been running Youth Alive um, and, and helping Youth Alive with schools and so forth for the last nine years. And uh, in addition to doing uh, the Your Dream Schools ministry that, that I'm going to tell you about in a moment. And, uh, but I first started going to um, um, Youth Alive when I was 11. And I'm 41 now. And um, I'm thinking, mate, you know, I've been youth. Then I was youth leader, then I was youth pastor, and then I was helping run Youth Alive. And so, um, you know, it's taken 30 years to, uh, to get out of it, and I'm, I'm praising God. I really am. Thank you, Jesus. I, it's, it's been great to be part of it, but it's going to be great to, uh, to hand it on to someone else and to uh, let them do what, you know, God's got, you know, in their heart for it. And um, tens of thousands of people have been saved over the last nine years, and we're believing for um, for greater days ahead. But the Your Dream School Chaplaincy and Seminars, um, let me tell you that we, for those who don't know me, uh, my wife and I and family, we, were, we first came to uh, North Shore in 2000, and uh, we're at North Shore, formerly North Shore Christian Centre, now Life Source Church. Um, we, were, we came along, and um, we were the youth pastors and children's pastor as well, and um, had a great time here. You, our heart is still very much here. We, uh, we love you guys. Uh, you're still uh, our biggest supporters. And, um, you know, we didn't want to leave in 2012. But, um, you know, for us, uh, there was a nice little place just uh, out of Penrith in a place called Waterside. I've got lakes surrounding my brand new home that we built. And uh, we're debt free. And we just, you know, we're able to do this ministry without the stress and strain of a mortgage. Hallelujah, hey! And so uh, for me, uh, the, well, for us, the uh, move was family and finance, so that we could do the ministry. And um, God is really blessing the ministry. And I want to tell you just some of the really cool things that we've done. So um, have we got that up? So your dream school chaplaincy and seminars. Um, we've got some stats I want to show you. And uh, this 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 ministry was actually birthed here in this church. It's you know I went full time, started doing this in 2007. So um, so in New South Wales, we've got 80 five schools with um with school chaplains in it and that's growing in uh in both high schools and primary schools which is uh absolutely amazing one of that guy there is a guy called ross and he's uh down in mortlake in p12 uh mortlake college uh in victoria country victoria and uh so he's part of our 21 schools and high schools and so forth uh where we've got school chaplains and uh, the next next one is I uh, wanted to give you some stats on uh, what's actually been delivered. Is that we've we've had just this year alone in the uh, the school term, uh, not counting school holidays, is we've had uh, two thousand three hundred nine group programs. So that means our chaplains are running uh, groups in schools. They're also doing one-to-one interactions. So in those group programs, they've actually had 10,811 students in those group programs. And they've had uh, 3,042 as of the other fortnight. It's it's already increased. I looked at it this morning, but I didn't want to update. I just figured that'll be enough. 3,042 students have been uh, given breakfast. So serve breakfast by by our chaplains. 
chaplains across New South Wales and Victoria. We've had 2,187 uh, one-to-one hours for 2,784 students. Um, so that's one-to-one contact. That's through everything from um, you know dealing with grief, dealing with bullying, dealing with uh, abuse, dealing with uh, loneliness, whatever it may be. Chaplains are doing one-to-one um, interactions and actually walking the journey uh, with these students. And, and we've actually got chaplains here in this in this church that are serving in local schools. You know, just only five ten minutes from here. So, uh, 1,442 hours of contact with families and carers and parents, uh, which is amazing because it's not just stopping at the student. It's actually uh, being a service, being a you know pastoral care service to all the school community, which is amazing. And you're doing this church. This is you and your support of your dream and what we're doing in the schools. You're actually helping make this happen. So as you give, this is only just, we're not even halfway through the year yet. And uh, we're seeing this increase. And the last ones, the big numbers are that we've had 10,692 hours of chaplaincy delivered um, to those 100 schools. And uh, that's an average of 668 hours per week uh, our chaplains are, are, are in local schools, face-to-face, dealing with the issues, pastoring schools, loving young people, and being the light of, of Jesus in those situations. Amen. And um, 16,637 students helped and supported, and that's an average of over 1,000 students a week are being impacted by our chaplains. I don't know about you, but that is worth praising Jesus about. It's amazing. It's amazing what a small amount of seed can then multiply and become. And, uh, and that's what this church has always been about. It's just, you know, just that seed that's sown and then lives impacted and transformed. You would have heard a, a great report of um, uh, Pastor Helen as well. Um, just recently, I was sent over to speak in schools in both Hungary and, uh, and in Poland. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen on the Instagram, I've been in contact with the youth pastor there in, in Krakow, and their youth ministry is growing, and it's because the doors of the uh, school are now open to the church, and what got them in there, what got that door kind of creaking open a little bit, was the Your Dream Schools seminar program. And, um, you know, Gustav was just giving me a report before. He says, because in, in Hungary, they, they don't even do school seminars. They don't even know what that is, right? So, you know, Gustav did a, an incredible job. Both Gustav and Helena um, did a fantastic job trying to explain it to even the church leaders over there, right? So that was already hard. And then the church leaders having to describe it to the education department and the principals was even, you know, just as hard, if not harder. And so even when we turned up, you know, we were making adjustments when we arrived at the school. We'd say, okay, no, we don't want to do it like that. We don't want to do that. We want all the kids here, you know, and we're doing all this stuff on the fly. I mean, it was, we were pioneer work, schools ministry, seriously. Um, they, the churches over there, I, I really think that they're almost like 30 to 40 years behind us in the way that we do church, the way that we see serving our congregations and all the stuff that you take for granted. Uh, they're like 30 to 40 years behind. So youth ministries, they don't even know what that is. You know, like they're just like schools ministry, what's that? And uh, so it was just amazing. And that's what Life Source Church is doing. That's what you're doing. You're actually, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard to see that and to really comprehend the, the immensity of what you're doing. But, uh, you know, tens of thousands of students have been impacted because of you. And I think that's awesome.
So I'm going to clap you anyway. I'm going to clap you because you guys are doing incredible work. Let me uh, share a uh, word with you. And, um, and when Pastor John asked me to speak, I mean, I was straight away like, yep, I'm ready. No problems. And uh, I said, I've got something for your church, uh, the church family. And uh, I want to pray. And then we're going to get straight into it. Father, just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the, 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 the feeling and the sense of faith in this church right now. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us. Lord, that you would fill us, that you would empower us with your fire. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Tap someone on the shoulder and tell them it's going to be good today. I've always wanted to do this. Now tell the person you rejected the other side. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I've had that done to me and I go, that's so bad. I mean, you know, normally I talk to my wife. I go, of course I'm going to choose you over this person. I don't even know them, you know, but, uh, but that's cool. Hey, um, have you got your Bibles with you? All right. So I want you to open up to uh, Exodus 4, verse 1. This morning's message is what's in your hand? What's in your hand? But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? This verse is the, uh, the I guess, the, the beginning of, of Moses whinging about what God has called him to do. In the preceding uh, chapter, you can have a read of yourself. You know, Moses just kind of just, you know, just living his life, doing his thing. He's a shepherd, you know. He didn't start out like that, but he was a shepherd, and uh, he's just kind of just, you know, chilling out, sees this burning bush. You've may, maybe you've heard the story. Goes up, and behind, from within the bush, the um, you know, God is speaking to Moses and basically tells him that I'm going to use you to free my people. And uh, verse 1 starts out with Moses. It's literally, you know, full of doubt. It's a statement of doubt, you know, like, well, what if? What if they, you know? How many things in your life would have happened if you'd not succumbed to people's what if they? I mean, let's think about it. Let's be honest. It's, it's church. We should be honest with each other. How many things would you have done if you'd not worried about what someone was going to say? or what, what people were going to do to you, but you were actually going to step out and just do it because you just knew that God was with you. How many things? I remember when I um, um, was, you know, obviously called by God. I mean, we can see by the results, God is in it. But to launch out of being a youth pastor here and one of the, one of the team on staff to, uh, to, do the, uh, to run the Your Dream uh, Schools program. And um, I wish I could say that I was like Peter, where uh, in the Bible, where he says to Jesus, if it's you, you know, tell me to come, you know, and Jesus says, come. And then, you know, Peter just steps out of the boat, you know, and I've heard people, you know, do sermons on, you know, the doubt of Peter, but I'm thinking, mate, he got out of the boat. I mean, that is amazing. Okay. I mean, you know, like, I mean, what about the other dudes still in the boat? You know, I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't one of them. You know, like, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, he got out of the boat. Well, you know, when I, when I was called out of the boat, I was probably a little bit more reluctant. I was like, you know, asking God several times, like, are you sure that you want me to get out? Are you sure that, you know, like, that this is what you want me to do? Uh, until I, I had a, a meeting with a mentor. 
And uh, some of you may remember them, but um, Ian and Sonia Ridden, uh, great mentors uh, still to my life to this day. Um, I remember that they, um, I met with Ian and I was, you know, just having my what if they, I was having my what if they moment. And uh, he said to me, he says, Darren, he says, just stop for a minute. You're worried about all of the finances. You're worried about all of the, you know, how do you make ends meet? He says, just imagine if all of that meant nothing. Imagine if money was no option, no, no, no issue. It was just going to, it was just going to, it's just going to be there for you. You've got a million dollars and you can do this school's ministry and it's no problem. He says, imagine what you could do. Would you let it stop you? And I remember that as a, you know, younger man at the time, I just went, I realized what I was doing. I was just being just like Moses. I was trying to make excuses to actually step into the, the plan and the purpose and the will of God. And I remember that, you know, I've looked back now and I go, thank God I took the step. Thank God for the tens of thousands of students every single year that we stepped out and we did something and we took it a go, we gave it a go. And I appreciate that we're part of a church that says, you know what, we're going to support you and we're going to let, let, let you not sink. We're going to give it a go with you and we're going to believe that God does something amazing. And I, I thank God for that every single day. I really do. I don't take it, uh, you know, lightly at all. But verse two, you see God's response. Now, those that are full of empathy would actually, and you, you guys are, you know, much better people than I am, right? So empathy is one of those things that uh, when I was, you know, being sent from heaven to be in my mother's womb, uh, that was forgotten, okay? Empathy was like, oh, no, we forgot something. Oh, he's two ladies gone, all right? Um, and so then you got me, okay? And uh, so I'm the type of guy that when you meet with me, you're not going to get a ton of empathy. I'm going to like, you know, you're going to tell me what's going on and I'm going to go, hey, listen, no problem. Here's a couple of scriptures that'll fix you up. Go for it. See you next week, right? Whereas Pastor John and Ann, I mean, they are just the most, they're the most beautiful pastors in the world, aren't they? You know, you can just sit with them and they just give you time and they just drink coffee with you and you just like, or Ann, cup of tea. And, uh, and so, you know, just so empathetic. I love it. But, you know, and we need that in the body of Christ. So, you know, God literally doesn't sit there with empathy with, with Moses. His response to him is not about his fears, his concerns. His response to him was, well, Moses, what's in your hand? Everyone say hand. Hand. What's in your hand? Now, a bit of Daza paraphrase Bible. I mean, what's going on here is God's you know, literally going, okay, Moses, like, I mean, okay, I can see all of that. You think I can't see that you're insecure. I, you think I can't see, oh, you know, the decisions and the choices that have got you to this moment. But I want you to know, Moses, that behind all of that stuff, I am God. I know that you are going to be in this point. Nothing has taken me by surprise. And so what I want to do is get you off your, get your eyes off your insecurities. And I actually want to put your eyes onto something tangible. And God asks him a very simple question, says, well, what's that in your hands? It's a bit of diversion, a bit of a diversion to the actual issues that, that Moses thought he had. God diverts him to, well, what's that in your hand? And he obviously answers, a shepherd's staff. Very good, Moses, 100%. Next verse. He says, God says, throw it down on the ground. The Lord told him, and so Moses threw down the staff. Well, that's a good boy. And it turned into a snake. I didn't say that right because the Bible has an explanation, mate. It turned into a snake. 
which is crazy. I mean, you know, we read that stuff in the Bible and we kind of just glean over it, right? But if somebody walked in here today with a walking stick and then it kind of stumbled a bit and let it go and it fell on the ground and it fell into a snake, I mean, I reckon, you know, this place is clear, right? You guys would be out of here. You know, be like, should we help others? No, they'll be all right. Jesus will protect them, you know? And I reckon that some of the guys in here would be screaming like girls. Anyway, but uh, that's all right. Now, Moses jumped back. Of course, I would too. Next verse, the Bible says, then the Lord told him, reach out, grab it by its tail. And so me, I mean, I just love how the Bible puts things. I mean, just as if you would just reach out and just grab a snake. You know, the only, the only, the only good snake I like, a good snake is a dead snake. Yeah, you see, I'm, we're, we're all the same. You know, when you see them going across those country roads and you see it stretched across, you don't slow down. You don't go, oh, well, there's some wildlife, you know. It's like I'm going 100 and, and, and I'm really worried about But if it was a koala bear, oh, yeah, you would run yourself into the paddock, right? But for a snake, poof, straight over it. Some of you said, no, are you kidding me? Reptile lovers, that's okay, all right. If it was a cat, just straight over it, right? But anyway, oh, Dazza, just lost everybody. Preaching 101, 90% of the crowd gone, but that's okay. All right, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hands. You know, there, there are so many uh, sermons that could come from this particular passage, just these, you know, four or five verses. I mean, we could talk about obedience. We could talk about inadequacy and how God just does amazing things with our weakness and turns it into... I mean, there's so many different, you know, devotions that you could get out of this. And, and you could eat this, uh, these four verses for, for weeks and weeks and months and months. But this morning, I want to concentrate on the question that God asked Moses is, what's that in your hands? And I want to ask you today, what is that? And I know some of you are taking notes and some of you are on your smartphones. Hopefully, you're taking notes, not on Facebook. That stuff will kill you. No, I'm kidding, right? Uh, but ultimately, I'm not asking about what's you, you're in physically in your hand right now. But what I'm asking is the skills the giftings, you know, the, uh, the immediate things that God's put into your life right now, what is in your hands? Are you using it? See, to Moses, that was just a shepherd's staff. To everyone else around him, that was just a shepherd's staff. But to God, God has an awesome ability to take something that seems to be ordinary, to seem to take something that seems to be, you know, mundane and uh, not alive. It's it's dead, and God can do amazing things with that staff, and He turns it into a message of hope. And some of you might say, "But He turned it into a snake." Well, actually, it was actually the key to the release of. It was the beginning. It was the key to open the door to the release of the people of Israel. And it all started with Moses' staff. Have you ever asked the question, God, what, what are the skills, what are the gifts, what are the abilities that you've given me? I don't know if you've done that, but I've done that. I've asked God, you know, why, why do you put me in front of so many high schoolers? I mean, I'm 41 years old, and yet I go in, I speak all over the world, all over Australia, and I'm speaking in schools. Now, 
Last night, I'll be honest with you, 2 a.m., about 2.30, 2.15, I was restless in bed. You know why? Because I was going to be in speaking in front of you today, right? Now, if I happen to be, right, so if we were to move the day, and I was going to be speaking in front of a 1,000 students today, I would have slept like a baby last night. Seriously. And, and, and this is where, like, I, I, I often ask God the question, why are you doing this to me? Like, what, why, why do I get up in front of those thousand students and I can have them all captivated, have a great time? They walk out going, you know, like, I'm going to live my dream for my life. I, get, I, I have people walk out because of my testimony of being adopted and they walk out going, you know, like, you've just transformed the way I see my own adoption or my own rejection. And, uh, and, I, and I get amazed at that every single time. But I ask myself sometimes, God, like, you know, this thing that you've put in my hand, these gifts, these, these skills, these talents. Why? Well, I wonder if you were to sit down with Moses and you were to ask him, what did that staff represent to him? I wrote down a few thoughts. You might want to jot them down too. The, the first one I wrote down was maybe a sense of identity. You know, he had his shepherd staff, right? I don't know who gave it to him. Doesn't say it in the Bible. Who gave? We can only assume maybe his father-in-law gave it to him. Said, here, go and look after these sheep. You'll need this stick. You'll need this staff. You know, and... Uh, can't help but think that maybe there was a, a ranking system, you know, like that there was a, yeah, this is a really good one. This one's got blood stains on it. See, I've taken out, you know, bears. I've, you know, fended off lions. I've, I've stopped them from stealing my sheep. And maybe there's a, there's a pecking order. Maybe there's some shepherds who turn up with a brand new stick, you know, and everyone can see it. It's like, how long you been in it, mate? Just five years. Have you sticked anything yet? No, mate, you know. Don't come from Campbelltown. No, no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I had to get you back. All right. Okay. Maybe, maybe he'd write down, uh, maybe he'd also suggest that his shepherd's staff was a symbol of acceptance. You know, uh, you don't see everybody walking around with a shepherd's staff. There's a, there's a reason for it. It's part of, it's actually a tool of his trade. And there's, a, there's an acceptance that comes with it. I'm part of you know, a, a career. I'm, I'm part of a fraternal of shepherds. We're, we're, we're all very similar. Maybe it was a sign of shame. See, that one's a bit different. Maybe, maybe every time he held the shepherd's staff that it was, he was reminded of what he lost. For those who don't know, maybe I'll just give you a quick uh, highlight is that Moses was actually through a tremendous miracle, and you can read this some other time yourself, but a, through a tremendous miracle, was actually adopted into the family of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And, uh, and he was basically made, you know, essentially uh, a prince. He, he had everything that the world could ever offer at the time. He had all the wealth, the riches, he had it all. And, uh, and through some choices, he uh, finds himself thrown out and uh, finds himself in a, in a, in a nomadic uh, family, um, who herdsmen, who again have sheep, and he marries one of the daughters, and, and so now he finds himself a shepherd. Maybe every time he looks at his staff, maybe it's a reminder of the shame. Maybe it's also a reflection of his past failings. Maybe he would sit with you and say that it feels so natural that it's, a, it's like it just came naturally to me. When I was in the, in the palace of the Pharaoh, I would never have thought of this, but I, I, it just seems to come so naturally to me. Maybe he would sit there and say, but it was 
forced learning. It was unintended experiences this staff represents in my life. I never intended to be a shepherd. Who knows? But in his hand, in Moses' hand, I believe he had three things. He actually had his future or his failure. He had his blessing or his stagnation. He had his release or he had his redundancy. For you this morning, I would ask you, what's in your hand? Are you holding your future or are you holding something that you believe is making you fail? Are you holding your blessing or are you holding a stagnant thing that's holding you back and it's draining you of energy and life? Are you holding your release into your future or are you holding on to redundancy? I don't know. But this morning, I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit would show you that what he has put in your hands is your future church. It's your blessing and it's your release into the calling and the purposes of God for your life. Amen. See, what's in your hand is not always what's in your heart. Right? So, you know, it can be different and that's okay. Because what's in your hand, maybe you, uh, and I said this before, so I'll say it again. Uh, but, you know, maybe when you were in school, you know, just maths just was your thing. Like you were just like, since kindy, you were adding up those stars and you were nailing it, right? And people were jealous. Like, don't go near that person. They can add up stars. Maybe for some of you here that English was amazing. You just loved reading poetry and poem. They're the same, aren't they? Poems. Poems. And that's why I was never good at English. Maths, I was really quite good at, but, uh, but that's why. I mean, English, my goodness. I, I can't remember how many I had to read for um, the HSC. I just, I just loathed them. I was just like, oh my gosh, it doesn't even make sense. They might as well be talking gibberish to me. And uh, I remember one time I was in class and we got an assessment back in year 12, and I got like 90-something percent. It wasn't 100, but it was, it was kind of like low 90s. And I, and I actually topped the English class. It was a total fluke, right? But actually, no, it wasn't fluke. It was well-planned and strategic effort. Let me tell you what I did, is I'd never read any of the books. I was like, I was never going to read any of that stuff, Macbeth and stuff like that. I was like, are you kidding me? Macwho? McDonald's? No, um, I was like, no chance. And so I remember that I, I knew that I knew my weaknesses, right? So I just, I remember I sat in class and I would listen intently to the teacher while everyone would kind of, you know, sometimes wander off in conversation. I would listen to her because I'm like, man, I'm, I ain't going to read these books. I'm so far behind. I got no chance. So I'm just listening, listening, listening. And so um, um, I remember we did the, the assessment and I literally took all my notes and then I, I mean, I did study and I did do effort. So I took all my notes and I actually transferred it into this assignment, right? This assessment. And I got top marks and I was like going, yes. And so I made the mistake of telling the girl next to me, I said, dude, I just nailed you, man. Like you, you're usually the top of the class. I just, I just beat you. And I've never read any of the books. Well, she put in a formal protest and I still beat her though, but it's all good. Some of you thought I got it stripped. No, I did that legitimately. But see, what's in your hand, you know, what your skills and your gifts and your talents are and the natural abilities, sometimes it can be different to what's in your heart, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit different or maybe it's a lot different. 
Maybe you, you find yourself being an accountant or a, or a teacher or something like that, but yet your, your heart is for mission and, mission, mission and ministry, or maybe it's for something else, for service or whatever. Whatever it may be, it's okay for what's in our hand to be different from our heart. And I really pray that there's that, oh, moment right now, that the Holy Spirit just shows you, hey, I made you like this. It's okay. You keep doing what you're doing. Like Moses, just keep being a shepherd and watch what I do with your life. Just, just use what I've given you and watch me bless it. What's important is you using it, like doing and using what God has given you. See, what's in your hand can actually be the means to opening the future of what's in your heart. See, Moses' heart was that of a shepherd. He, you know, made that bad choice by, you know, taking into his own, you know, actions. He stepped in when someone was being beaten and he killed him. And, and it came from a heart of like, well, I want to protect. I want to, I want to, I want to nurture. I want to make sure this person's looked after. And yes, he made the wrong choice and he paid the price for it. He found himself going from a palace to a shepherd boy, a shepherd. Ultimately, he made that bad choice, but still within his heart was this, this leader, this pastor. See, he went from being a shepherd of sheep to a shepherd of a nation. And sure, he kept making some, some pretty serious uh, bad choices. But ultimately, in his heart, that what was in his hand actually brought about what was in his heart. See, it's a matter of perspective. It's a revelation of God, his love, and his purpose for your life. See, when I think of hands, I think of skills, abilities, and, and what you can do right now. What can you do with what God has given you right now? It might be sowing a seed. It might be sowing a prayer. It might be sowing some effort and, and some time into someone or something or into a project. Whatever it may be, what can you do right now? What's in your heart is your passions, your desire. It's your future. It's your calling. It's what, our, what we're hoping for. See, in Psalm 139, verse 1, I love this. In Psalm 139, verse 1, you know, the psalmist says this, David says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart, my heart, and you know everything about me. See, God knows everything about every single one of us in here. If we think for one second that we can hide a secret sin, a secret little agenda, God knows it all. You may be able to fool the person next to you. You may be able to put, fool the people in the church. You may be able to fool the people at work. But deep down inside, every single one of us know that God knows everything. And he knows what's in our heart. So I'd say to you this, is that if God knows what's in your heart, and if God designed what's in your hand, your skills, gifts, and abilities, don't you think he's in control? Don't you think that he's got it under control, that you are here for this moment, for this time in eternity, for a reason? That you can, you can draw hope from that? That no matter what you're going through, I'm speaking to someone's issue right now, no matter what you're going through, that God is in control. All you've got to do is just keep trusting in him and doing what? Just make a move. Do something with your God has given you. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose and he's in control. Amen. 
See, God's plan for a person's life is to use what's in their hand to open up the future of what's in their heart. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of warnings. Is one, don't be quick to change what's in your hand. Don't be too quick to, to jump from career to career to career. Yeah, you know, I, I, I sit with people many times and they ask, why isn't God using me? Why isn't this happening? Why aren't these desires happening? What's going on in my life? And, and you know what? I look at their life and, I, and again, I try to engage the empathy. I, I say to them, listen, you know, you keep changing your career. You jump from one thing to the other. And that's a reflection of what you do in church as well. You kind of jump from one thing to the other. You know, stick to it. Serve. Do what you have to do. Use the skills and the gifts that God's had for you and be very, don't be so quick to change. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in a bad workplace and uh, maybe you've been bullied or maybe you've been mistreated, I'm certainly not saying you should stay. Man, you just need to put in a prayer request and we need to be praying that you get an awesome job. Hallelujah. We are are meant to serve the world, but we're not the walking mat of the world, huh? You know what I'm talking about, right? I remember a bully once tried to, you know, use that whole Christian edge on me. And, uh, and I remember that I, I made short work of that. Anyway, move on. <laughs> he didn't bully Christians again. Anyway, he got saved though. No, he didn't. I, don't, I actually don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I hope he did. <laughs> okay, all right. Don't sell short or cheapen what God has in your hands. There is a, you, there is a part of the body of Christ that's for you. And if you don't step up and start using those gifts and talents, then we're going to have a gaping hole in the body of Christ, which was meant for you, is step up into it. Do something with it. Don't sell yourself short. Don't let the devil try and tell you that what, the, that what God has given you is something that's not good enough. It's, it's not big enough. It's not more noticed enough. I mean, honestly, don't give it oxygen. Don't let the devil have the, the last word. You stand up and you say, I'm going to do what God has put in my hand. I'm going to do it and I'm going to hold on to what's in my heart. I'm going to keep believing for what God's going to open up, but I'm just going to use what I can right now. And that's the rod, that's the staff that's in my hand right now. I'm going to use this thing that God has given to me and I'm not going to let the devil have the last say. Amen. Don't wait. Don't sit around and wait. You know, with what's in your hand right now, God actually wants, here's the word of the Lord to you, is what's in your hand right now, God wants you to use it. God wants you to use it. Don't just hold on to it anymore. Don't just sit there and go, well, what if, what if they, you know, just step out and say, God, I'm going to do it. Now we should use wisdom. And that's why we have church. That's why we have, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, you have connect groups, you have all these things that we can get together and we can glean off one another. We can float ideas and say, I feel God saying this. What do you think? Can you pray with me? And we can have that godly counsel around our lives. Which is another reason why we shouldn't just jump from church to church to church. I mean, that's why a tree that's uprooted many, many times, it's just going to wither and die. And people wonder, why isn't God doing something with my life? Hallelujah. Isn't the gospel, it's not rocket science. Hallelujah, is it? Stay planted. Get strong. Use your gifts. Hallelujah. See, to Moses, his hand, in his hand was a shepherd's staff. I'll get the, the band and the team to come on up. To Aaron, it was his rod. To David, it was his sling. To Esther, it was her beauty. 
To Gideon, it was his horn, his trumpet. To Jesus, what God put in his hand was the cross. Oh, we thank you for the cross. And I thank you that when Jesus was in that garden of Gethsemane and and his humanity was beginning to, to boil to the top, and he said to the Father, if this cup can pass from me. I thank God for his next response. It's not my will, but Father, let your will be done. I praise God for that verse so many times. I thank God for that moment in in eternity when the Son of God, with all of his humanity, could have said, I don't want to do this. The price is too much. What you put in my hand, it's too much. And maybe walked away. Thank God. Thank you, God, that he didn't do that. That Jesus stayed the course. Took what was in his hands. That calling that God, the Father, his Father, had had given him. I will pay the price for everyone. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.